0: This episode of Voices in My Head is brought to you by Podbean. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile ready right from the start. Visit podbean.com/voices to find out more. That's podbean.com/voices. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes, or by tweeting at me at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleyjames.com where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account at Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm very glad you could be with us for what is going to be another great conversation today. I'm here in Springfield, Ohio, at Temple Shalom, once again, I think for the third time, uh, with our friend Rabbi Kerry Cosberg. And uh, he has been kind enough to sit down with us again and help us with maybe some of our misunderstandings and misconceptions of things that sometimes we take for granted in Christianity, but often uh, when you get to the Jewish roots of the matter and when you study the original writings, you're gonna find that at times we have really uh, gotten some things quite different. So (laughs) today as we begin, I'm just gonna read this, uh, this little introduction to what our conversation is before we get started. Um, This is basically the doctrine of original sin. And as I read it, this is sort of just a a generic, not generic, but sort of the the standard view of original sin as in Christianity. Uh, And we're going to get into a conversation about that and where it falls within Judaism. So here I begin. Original sin is a Christian belief that humans have existed in a state of sin since the fall of man when Adam and Eve rebelled against the commands of God in the Garden of Eden. Their sin, according to Christianity, is the sin of disobedience. When Adam and Eve consumed the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the fall of man came upon us all. Again, according to Christian belief, because of this incident in the garden, all mankind now has a sinful nature and a collective guilt. The concept of original sin was first alluded to in the 2nd century by Irenaeus, the Bishop of Lyon, in his battle with dualist Gnostics. St. Augustine saw the doctrine in the New Testament teachings of Paul the Apostle, specifically in Romans 5:12 through 21 and 1 Corinthians 5:21 21-22, and in the single Old Testament verse of Psalms 51, 5. Augustine also shaped and developed the doctrine more than anyone else ever had. Christian fathers like Tertullian, Cyprian, Ambrose, Ambrosiaster considered that humanity shares in Adam's sin, transmitting it human generation by human generation. Augustine's doctrine of original sin became popular among Protestant reformers such as Martin Luther and John Calvin. Calvin and Luther believed and taught that original sin, even after baptism, uh, uh, but, See, I made a typo here. I'm going to read that again. (laughs) Calvin and Luther believed and taught that original sin, even after baptism, was not completely destroyed and that we were still not free to do good. Before 412 CE, Augustine had said that free will was weakened but not destroyed by original sin. But after 412 CE, with the teachings of Luther and Calvin, this changed to a loss of free will except to sin. Uh, modern augustinian calvinism holds this later view finally the catholic church declares that baptism by imparting the life of christ's grace erases original sin and turns a man back toward god but the consequences for nature weakened and inclined to evil persist in man and summon him to a spiritual battle weakened and diminished by adam's fall free will is not yet destroyed in the race of adam Most of Christianity believes this view of original sin in some form or another, but a few of us Christians have ever stopped to ask the question, what does Judaism teach about the doctrine of original sin? So today on Voices in My Head, we are here at Temple Shalom in Springfield, Ohio, to discuss this topic with our old friend, Rabbi Kerry Cosberg. Kerry, welcome once again to Voices in My Head. <laughs> Always glad to be here, Rick. <laughs> Sorry for that extremely long introduction. No, I'm glad you did. <laughs> but it felt like a good kind of place for us to start yeah. today. Yeah. And I guess the, the question that I'll start with is, how does Judaism differ in the way that it interprets
1: the story of Adam and Eve? Well, I, I was struck by the fact that you refer to, and I think most people do, refer to the story of Adam and Eve and what happened in the garden as the fall of man. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't understand it that way. We actually understand what happened as the uplifting of man. Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you why. Because um, if you think about the fact that uh, the story tells that God said to Adam originally, you can eat of all any f- tree you want, just don't eat from that tree. Because on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. The Hebrew is mot tamut. Um, that's sort of a, later on in, in the other books of the Torah, the five books of Moses, um, that is, uh, that has judicial connotations. In other words, um, when when the, when the Torah says, uh, if someone violates this law, and it's a capital offense, mot yamut, uh, that person will surely die. Mm-hmm. Now if you think about it, Adam, uh, who had not eaten of the tree of knowledge of self-awareness. When God says to Adam, "You will surely die," Adam doesn't know what that means. Hmm. Nothing had ever died. Okay. He had no reference point. Okay, and the text tells us, or doesn't tell us, that Adam had any reaction. Okay, he probably just said, "Okay, okay, <laughs> uh, whatever." And then we read that Eve is um, created because there was no fitting helper, fitting companion for him, Mm -hmm. uh, so that uh, Eve is created from Adam's rib. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything seems fine, and then the snake appears. Mm -hmm. And the snake um, says to uh, Eve, interestingly enough, he doesn't go to Adam. Mm -hmm. He goes to Eve, okay? And Eve was told secondhand of God's command not to eat of the fruit. And she even adds to it. She says, we were told not to eat of it or touch it. And God Mm -hmm. never originally says, don't touch it. She said, don't eat of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So already, she's starting to interpret. And what is the snake's response? The snake says, were you told that? You won't die. Your eyes will be open and you will be as God's. And Eve, why does Eve go for the fruit? It looks nice. It looks like it's going to taste good. But the other thing is, it was a source of wisdom. She saw it as a source of wisdom. So she eats of it. And then she gives to Adam. Adam was told originally, don't eat it. He eats it and then all of a sudden things change forever hmm, yeah <clears throat> now what would have happened if adam and eve would not have eaten the fruit no i don't know if anyone ever thinks about that yeah okay they would have they would have been god's pets a, yeah stayed in a childlike state they would have state. been a childlike yeah. state okay mm-hmm. nothing would have ever happened mm-hmm. okay adam and eve their descendants to this day, maybe, would just be tending the garden. Mm. Okay? There'd be no history. There also would never be any self-awareness. Okay? Mm. Nothing nothing good would have happened because people wouldn't know the difference between good and evil. Mm. Okay? Our understanding, frankly, is that this had to happen. Mm. Okay, it had to happen from our point of view is because it, it points to another question that. We ask, and that is, why did God create the world to begin with? Did He need to? No. Um, One of our interpretations is God created the world. God created humanity because He He needed a fitting partner.
0: Hmm.
1: He created angels, but angels only do what they're told. Hmm. Okay, angels are angels are basically gophers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when the boss says X, y and z they say yes sir okay they never challenge okay God needed someone to be like him but not be him okay mm-hmm. with capacity to choose and to know right from wrong okay but for some reason and this is part of the mystery of the story uh, he set up the scenario so that they would do exactly what they did and it's almost like when a parent tells a kid, you can have anything you want for a snack, but don't eat the cookies from the cookie jar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: okay, Specifically, don't eat those cookies. And he leaves. The parent leaves. What's the kid going to do? He's going to have some, some cookies. That's called <laughs> temptation. Okay. Yeah. The other thing is, is, is that what God said was going to happen, didn't happen. Hmm. Okay? The snake said, you will be like God's knowing good from evil. That's exactly what happened. Now I know that people say, well they died a spiritual death. <clears throat> I'm going to suggest that they didn't. Okay. Again, it was an uplifting because at first they were innocent. Okay, And when you're innocent, you don't know the difference between good and bad. And if you don't know the difference between good and bad, you don't know how to appreciate what's good. Yeah. Because you've never known bad. This gave them the capacity and by extension, they, what? that's what they pass on to us. Mm-hmm. They pass on to us the ability to choose right from wrong. They don't pass on to us the sin. They pass on to us the capacity to sin. Mm. But also the capacity to do what's right. Mm. Now, what's interesting to me when I teach the story is that um, the consequences of what happened are really fascinating. Mm. After they f- realize... That what they've done, okay, and now they know what they've done. They have that they're conscious, they're aware, and all of a sudden they see that they're naked, mm-hmm. they're exposed, okay. And God comes looking for them. And what does Adam say? I was afraid because I was naked. And God says, Who told you you were naked? Right. And then what does Adam do? He, he puts the responsibility yeah. <laughs> on his wife. That's the first it's sin. It's her fault. <laughs> That's the first sin. Adam didn't take responsibility.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. When you take responsibility for your actions, that gives you the opportunity to repent. Hmm. Okay? And he didn't do that. He was, he was a weasel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He put it on Eve. Hmm. Okay? So God goes to Eve, and she basically says, this is what I did, and this is how it happened. But then, what what does God say to her? Because you've done what you've done, you will bear children in pain. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule. What's the next phrase? Uh, He will rule. Is it creation? I can't remember. No, it says he will. the, The usual translation is he will rule over you. Over you. Okay. Okay. Now, that preposition over, mm-hmm. over you, is a mistranslation,
0: hmm.
1: okay? The Hebrew word is Bach, and Bach usually means he will rule in you or he will rule through you, but the text is not that evil will be subservient. Hmm. The text can be interpreted, and I think it's interpreted as, he will be your main concern. Hmm. Now, that's why Eve was created. Wow. Eve was created to help Adam be a better person. He, right. he, that's what a fitting, fitting help made. Men can't do it on their own. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, men need women to put them on the right path, however that's done.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay, That's what ezer Kenegdo, the Hebrew means. Um, it's actually the preposition neged, as <clears> their <throat> kenegdo, neged can mean either someone who's a compliment or someone who's an adversary. Hmm. So the sages say, if a man is worthy, his wife will be his compliment. If a man is unworthy, she will be his adversary. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Isn't that true? So wow. yeah, it is true. So what I'm saying is is that the consequence of, uh, particularly for Eve, was not that she was punished, but that she was now able to fulfill. The reason she was created. Yeah, that's fascinating. Okay, now, then the question comes up well, they were kicked out of the garden. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were. They had to be kicked out of the garden. Mm -hmm. Because now that God had allowed them, and this is the other thing we don't talk about, if God was so upset that they ate of the tree, why didn't He not really kill them and create a new couple? Mm -hmm. Okay, He doesn't do that. When He realizes what He's done, what's happened he expels them Mm. the text says specifically he didn't expel them to punish them he expelled them to prevent them from eating from the tree of life which would have given them mortality Mm. okay so it was okay with god and maybe this is what he wanted that people have the ability to be godlike and know good from evil and make choices and promote good in the world or promote bad in the world okay but they can't also be immortal
0: hmm.
1: okay then they really will be like God wow. Martin Buber <coughs> a great Jewish philosopher uh, understood uh, Adam and Eve being expelled from the garden in this way he said that <laughs> being expelled from the garden and thereby introducing death into human existence was really a gift It was a gift because if people were allowed to or able to live forever, then the bad things they'd done would always plague them. Hmm. They would have no rest Wow. They would have to live with guilt for whatever they'd done literally forever. Hmm. As it is, whatever time we have on this earth, whatever guilt we feel, is going to be limited in time. Wow. Okay. Which means that we are encouraged to try to right the wrongs and to try to repent and to try to change. Okay. So that goes back to your question about original sin. Mm-hmm. Our understanding of sin is not a condition that we're born with. We mm-hmm. have we're born with two capacities. What's called the Yetzir Tov the good inclination and the Yetzirah the bad inclination
0: hmm.
1: Okay. Um, the text says later on in Genesis that um, God sees that the heart of man is evil from its youth okay. hmm. our capacity to do bad is what we're born with and what really rules us we have to be taught to um, develop the good inclination okay. and we do that by listening and following God's word. Sure. We don't do that naturally.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too.
1: I've,
0: I have so many thoughts that come to mind, you know, as, <laughs> as I hear you talk about this. But it almost seems like, too, the idea that um, Eve being the helpmate, we almost see the idea that left to our own devices, we're going to end up in sinful places. True. But the idea that God provides a helpmate, I think we almost see like a communal understanding that holiness happens in community Together too, just as much as exactly. the fall happened in that way, God also intends for the community together to help us overcome uh, right. the the things that, that our worst inclinations. I guess if if sort of my understanding
1: is right. You know what? When you're saying this and you talk about people learning to be human in community, I always wondered when I used to watch Tarzan movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tarzan was supposedly raised by apes. Okay. But they always depict him as having this moral sense. How could he develop a moral sense living among gorillas? (laughs) Right. Okay. That's a that's that's a fantasy. Mm. Okay. There's no way Tarzan, anyone like that, living away from human beings, okay, would have the ability not to act like an animal. Yeah. Okay. Um, So your point about having to be raised in community with, Mm. with standards and with mores and and mores that are not just agreed upon by members of the community, but really have a sense of uh, they're transcendent. Yeah. You know, they come from an ultimate authority. Yeah. That's really what makes a community solid and holy. Well and uh, John Wesley, one of uh, one of our
0: heroes of the faith, uh, he used to say, there is no holiness apart from social holiness. He used to remind people and, and it's, it's interesting as I hear you say this and talking about mankind's capacity to do both and we can see so often in the crowd the capacity to also be very destructive and very evil in community together but we also have this godly form of it that is sort of the antidote to that that God designs for us that we would actually live as a community to seek after holiness and to seek to be who God intends for us to be Uh, and it's just fascinating hearing all that Um, I'm just gonna kinda Ask a couple things off the top of my head. Please. just hearing that story because um, I grew up in the church and I've you know been there my whole life, so I hear all the things uh, told slant, you know, <laughs> a little bit throughout the way. So one thing that I always hear and it kind of drives me crazy is somewhere along the way Christians started making the equivalent of the serpent in the garden. That's the devil. Right. In the story, but it right. never says that, right. does it? Right. It just says, I believe it just translates as serpent, doesn't yes. it? I think. Yes. So, what's what's your take on sort of that um, the serpent, and what? Why do you think it was a serpent in the story, or as opposed to you know why wasn't it a, a bear or you know or some other thing? Oh, or was there some yeah, sort of yeah. Significance to that.
1: Well, you know, um, that's an excellent question. Um, I think. Part of part of my answer is what happens to the snake, mm. and how God says humans will relate to snakes. Mm. Okay, so there's almost uh, I'm going to say use the the big ten dollar word teleological explanation. In other words the story does give an explanation as to why people particularly women hate snakes (laughs) okay Okay? now uh, was that God's God's intention I don't know people who don't believe that this is a divinely written or divinely inspired story will say well this is this is the author telling us why people particularly women don't like snakes they Mm. hate snakes doesn't matter if they're poisonous or not there's a natural antipathy between women and snakes. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, snakes are um, in many cultures seen as a source of magic, uh, a source of evil. Okay, And may be something that came into um, the culture when the story was originally told. I will tell you that in in Jewish tradition, the serpent is obviously um, a creature of God. Uh, but also serves God's purpose. Mm. Okay. Now, God says the you know to the serpent, from now on you will crawl on your belly and eat dust. Okay. What we understand from that is originally the serpent walked on legs, mm-hmm. maybe on only two legs. Yeah. Okay. And this was the serpent's consequence. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to say I, I, I don't like to use the word punishment when I'm talking about the consequence of a story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you another reason. If this was a punishment, if, 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 if Adam's punishment, if this was a punishment that man are supposed to work, mm-hmm. okay, we have to work. Okay, that work is what gives us meaning. Okay. Yeah. So that's a consequence. Okay. God says to, to Eve, You will bear children in pain. Okay. Now, again, Martin Buber understands that to mean that that once human beings ate of the, the fruit, and by the way, it's not an apple. Right. It never right. said it's an apple. <laughs> That's right. question, I don't know, <laughs> footnote to this. question is, well, how did it get to be an apple? The Latin word for apple, malum, mm-hmm. is equivalent or related to the word for evil. Okay. Okay. So it may have been Jerome when he translated the Vulgate mm. um, or Catholic tradition. That understood the apple to be the fruit they ate because it's it's there's a there's a connection to the word. Mm. Um, in Jewish tradition, it's not an apple; it's probably a fig mm-hmm. because they sowed fig leaves afterwards. Okay. okay. Um,
0: the snake, so they ate it and then they wore it. Exactly. Right yeah. Exactly. So hmm.
1: um, Eve is told that she will bear bear um, children in pain. Childbirth will be painful. Okay. Two things about that. Once they eat of the fruit and their eyes are open and they have awareness, not only are their eyes open, but the human brain will now become bigger. Mm. Okay. And the way a woman's body is formed um in comparison to the size of the fetus's head, which is now bigger, it's going to be painful. Mm. okay? Point being that the child now, again, every child now will have the capacity, okay so biologically, anatomically, there will be more brain cells. Mm. Uh, the brain will be bigger so that that child will also have the capacity mm. to know good and evil now, if this really were a punishment, at least in Jewish law, um, for a woman to take pain medication during childbirth would be forbidden. Hmm. It's not. Wow. Okay. That's why we don't understand this as a punishment. It's a consequence. That's interesting. I never thought of that before. Yeah. It's That's a consequence. A, uh,
0: so it sounds like when I, when I hear the story this way and it was probably four years ago now, when it first dawned on me that this was not original to Judaism, uh, when I was reading a commentary by uh, Walter Brueggemann, who mm-hmm. is one of our greatest theologians that we have in Christianity, um, and he pointed this out. And so I had kind of been fascinated by it, and, and the, what it means, again, the consequences of understanding it this way, even to Christianity, start changing you know my old view of uh, of what all this means starts to change a little bit um, so let me kind of lay out what it sounds like to me after I've thought about it and after I've heard you again today the story is is less a story um, at least according to Judaism it's less a story about the fall of man and more a story about the maturity of mankind and almost like we go from a childlike place let's call the garden the nursery so to speak on some level as we start to grow and mature there is a sense in which when we're young our parents are hovering over us they're kind of helping us they're providing for us they're giving us everything we don't have to think a lot about it you said a few minutes ago adam didn't know what death was i can clearly remember and my son is six now still doesn't quite understand but he gets it more. When he was three, my grandma died and mm-hmm. we ended up at a funeral. And I don't think he understood what was going on. You know, to him this was just, you know, it was kinda strange. Why was great grandma lying there in the exactly. coffin where we right. were, you know, right. when's right. she gonna right. wake up and right. we're gonna go home? Right. Um so for him we had we had to start uh talking in different ways. You know, grandma's gone to be with God. You know, we've just different things that we start talking mm-hmm. about and mm-hmm and his understanding starts to change so it would maybe be better understood according to judaism to think of it less as a fall and more of as the story of the maturity that we all have to go through absolutely we have to grow out of a childlike state and enter into adulthood right where there are the struggles of work but also the joys of it the challenges of we can do good. We could do evil. We're so much better when we're in God's community together, helping us to overcome exactly. and and bringing us. Um, that's sort of how we work out our salvation is together. Even Paul says, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." You know, <laughs> together this mm-hmm, whole idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that was sort of just kind of to recap sort of the understanding. No, that's
1: of, that's right on right on target. And as you're talking, I'm I'm remembering that narrative, the story that comes right after Adam and Eve being expelled is Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, that's right. Okay, and th- we look at that story with three or four thousand years of of history and of of you know looking back, when Cain killed Abel, again God says, you know, are you are you upset? Mm-hmm. You know, be careful because sin crouches at the door he didn't know what that meant
0: like a lion waiting to pounce yeah
1: and and he didn't know what that meant so he 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 gets angry he gets he he misplaces his anger Mm. he's angry at god but he takes it out on his brother you know he kills his brother but again nothing had ever died Mm. so when he sees his brother fall and this red stuff's coming out of his ears okay or his mouth or whatever it was and he's not getting up like your son and God says, "What did you do?
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, where, where's your brother? Uh, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? We hear that as a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. For Cain, it may have been a real question. Wow. Am I really responsible? Yeah. Hmm. And there are even interpreters that say it's at that point that God re- God himself realizes that he has to be a part of helping humanity develop the morality. Why? Mm-hmm because he says your brother's blood cries out to me mm. and the voice of, of of Abel's blood crying out to God is what is what God responds to mm. words, so, so God is not just this creator right who creates the world and says you're on your own mm. he said I got I got to be involved here yeah yeah <laughs>
0: This is Rick Lee James, and the music you are hearing is from my new album, Thunder. The title track, Thunder, is a never-before-released song by the late Rich Mullins. There are also 12 other tracks made up of original music, hymns, and readings to guide the listener on a journey. You can buy Thunder today on clear vinyl and CD, or stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, and almost every other music streaming service. Thunder, hear it today at rickleejames.com.
1: So what happens to Kane? Well, he's exiled. Mm -hmm. Um, And it may be, one of the things I I, I didn't say up to now, but probably needs to be said, we assume that the God of Genesis is a perfect God. The text never says that, number one. Number two, uh, it seems that God, things aren't working out the way God wanted them to. Mm. Okay. Adam and Eve don't do what he thought they were going to do. Okay, he was he was seems to be surprised at Cain killing Abel. Mm. Okay, he may have thought that this was an aberration; it'll never happen again. But if you skip ten generations to Noah, the world's a mess.
0: Mm.
1: And yeah. when he realizes how messy it is, what does it say? He regretted what he did. He was sorry. He, he was sorry. Yeah. No. Hmm. I made a mistake. Yeah. Now, that's a heretical idea for a lot of people. God hmm. doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Well, he himself expresses regret.
0: Yeah.
1: He's got to start over. Okay. Yeah. And what happens after he starts over, after the flood? That's the first time God is telling humanity, these are some rules you need to follow. Hmm. He never talks about rules before that. You may assume people are just going to do, you know, people are good. They'll be, they'll be fine. They're my creation. That's not what happens.
0: Hmm.
1: Again, once you have free will, without direction, yeah. you're going to do what comes naturally, and yeah. that is to act like a Savage. Yeah, it, it, free
0: will can be disastrous yes, can. for sure. Yeah. Well, another another question I want to ask as we as we go into this, because again, we're we're not far from. Uh, Cincinnati and that area where like the Creation Museum is, and there's people uh-huh. there's people like Ken Ham who are supposedly scientists, you know, but right. there I, I consider him more of a theme park operator than I do I <laughs> a scientist in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. But there's a lot of in Christianity the idea that everything in Genesis has to be exactly literally one hundred percent true, or it's completely one hundred percent false. Right. And I always come up against well then why is the creation account different in chapter 1 than it is in chapter 2 if everything has to be little how mm-hmm. do we handle these things mm-hmm. I'm curious from your perspective in Judaism is the, the narrative or I even think it's poetry in Genesis is it to be considered more like that in a literal sense right. or is it to it be considered more of like here's a story to help us make sense of our excellent origins excellent question
1: well uh, you know when I I say in Judaism, I really can't. I really can't give a one answer. Sure. Okay, because even the most learned scholar. I'm not even talking about people who are not believers. I'm talking about people who, through the ages, have been very religious, committed Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even they have different ideas. Okay. Okay, and I'm talking about people that lived in the Middle Ages. Okay. Which is important, by the way. And that's okay, that there's a lot of different views, I think. (laughs) Well, that's what our religion's all about. Sure. Okay, and Mm. the reason is because we believe you can't pin God down. Mm. Okay, we believe that if if we think we know everything about God, or we think we know God, Mm. definitively, and that's the operative word, we've created an idol. Mm. So you have some rabbinic sages... Who believe literally to the point where when it says uh, when it refers to uh, God's anatomy, God's arm, God's hand, you know, uh, God blowing smoke out of his nostrils, they do take that literally, wow. and they believe God has a body. Hmm. Okay, there there were rabbis who believe God has a body. There are other other rabbis who say again this is all metaphor. Hmm. So when it comes to the literalness of the creation story, yes, there are Jews who take it literally. Mm-hmm. But there are other Jews who say this is a translation of God's language. Mm. Okay. This is God telling us something. This is how we've translated it to understand it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And getting bogged down in the fact that, you know, there was light but the sun wasn't created until the fourth right, day. Right, Wrong question to ask. Okay, this the, the Bible is definitely not a science book. Okay, science, and, and this is why I think people really miss the boat. You know, they're mixing apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Science tells us how the world works. The Bible wants to tell us why there is a world, mm. and why it should work in a certain way. Okay. Um, so therefore when, I, when someone says do you believe the Bible is true I said I I will say I believe the Bible is is um, true but not necessarily factual mm. okay. therefore I don't take it literally necessarily but I do take it seriously I was that's exactly
0: what I was going to yeah. say I'll, yeah. I'll tell people sometimes and I, I think people miss that if I take it seriously yeah, there's
1: never I'm with Dennis Prager there's never been a book written like this mm-hmm. okay Uh, I don't think there ever will be, Um, but again, when you're talking God, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of of our discussion, um, different translations, Mm -hmm. okay? There are people who believe that God gave the King James Version, you know, and that's it. 1611. That's it. Okay? Well, that's a translation of a translation, Mm -hmm. Okay? Even the original, I mean, I I like to say I I don't I'm not comfortable talking about Hebrew scripture in a serious way if the person I'm talking with doesn't know the Hebrew, okay? Mm. Because if we're talking to English, that's a translation, and the best example is the one I said when people say that God said to to Eve, your husband will rule over you, mm. and that's not what the Hebrew says. Right. We got a problem. Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, there's so much to take into account, and then to think that for so long it was an oral tradition before right. it was ever even written down. Right, um, and that, and that takes your mind even more places. Like, how many times can you tell a story without a detail changing? You know, and right. it's it's a huge exactly. game of and even telephones. when it was written
1: down, there were scribal, shall we say, scribal oddities. I'm going to say mistakes because for the, for, the Jew who believes that the written scroll that we read from literally is from God um, there are things that other people would say well that's a mistake hmm. okay in terms of what's written what's literally written there okay? hmm. for the person who believes this is from God it's just an oddity that needs to be uh, either understood differently or when the text is read it's read differently hmm. so a different word is pronounced but you don't monkey with the text yeah you just don't
0: yeah and that's and that's fascinating to me as well because a lot of a lot of Christians wouldn't have that point of view, you know. They they have uh, and many the same ones that say it has to be literal have never read or studied anything other than English too. And it's an interesting conversation to have with people when they haven't ever had this yeah, sort of yeah. insight into it uh, for the first time. Once but.
1: upon a time, I had a discussion with a doctor who um, was. Telling me that you know he he's a scientist and he's had all this education, you know he thinks this biblical stuff is just nonsense. I mean, how do you how do you relate to the world being created in seven days? Hmm. Um, and I said, "Do you love your wife?" And he said, "Of course." I said, "Well, how does anyone know that?" He said, "She's in my heart." Hmm. I said, "Which ventricle is she in?" <laughs> okay. You just said something. If I take it literally, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask what part of your heart is she in? Your the aorta? Is she in the ventricle? The oracle? Well, I didn't mean that. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're talking a different language.
0: Yeah, which reminds me of the Shema: "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might." Right. Well, what's it mean to to love with your heart? You know, and and I think very much it's like we're describing here we always talk about heart as the seed of our emotions and yeah uh, and it may have very well been bowels at different times you know whenever <laughs> we would talk about things right. like that so mm-hmm. it's a fascinating um, conversation to have um, another thing that I that I guess just comes to my mind as I think through this um, if Adam and Eve had not experienced death before and and eventually they did you know, and then eventually mankind all started dying. This is just a question that I've never had the chance to ask, and it may not be necessarily a part of this fall story, but part of the Christian narrative, uh, which very much is a part of it, because of Adam's uh, sin, many Christians will translate that and say, well, because of that, uh, you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and then you can go to heaven when you die. Because otherwise, because of Adam's sin, everybody basically before Jesus is now burning in hell, Mm -hmm. because they didn't have that chance, which I think is kind of a twist of theology, to be honest. But I'm curious, when someone asks you as a rabbi about uh, the afterlife, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I, it must come up, you know. No, um, it
1: doesn't come up. But I'm. But the class that I was teaching before we met just now uh-huh. is a class I've been teaching for two and a half years on the afterlife. Oh
0: wow, yeah. fascinating! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, not that you can give one answer, but if, <laughs> but if someone were to come up to you from your perspective mm-hmm. when you talk about afterlife, um, I guess you can't give us several weeks, of course, in this right. answer. But what would be sort of your general cliff notes answer to that? Cliff notes,
1: yeah, it's actually pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Um, That um, there is an afterlife. Mm -hmm. Now, let me preface that by saying, I'm going to say what Judaism teaches. Okay. okay? Jews believe a lot of different things. Sure. Okay, so I'm not prepared to say Jews believe. Because some Jews believe. As
0: do Christians,
1: and it's such a hard thing to say. Right, Right. yeah. But I will tell you, authoritative traditional Judaism believes there is an afterlife. Okay. Okay. Um, we, our tradition teaches that we are judged on our behavior here on Earth. Okay, um, we we don't teach that there is necessarily a place where people burn forever mm-hmm. or punished forever. We are whatever suffering, and I put that in quotes. We experience our souls experience. Um, is pretty much measure for measure for what we've done in this the bad stuff we've done but it's it's time-limited mm, okay okay uh, now there are certain sins that our sages say, say um, will merit eternal punishment mm. um, but punishment for them was more of the soul being obliterated and mm. I always when the first time I ever heard this from one of my teachers was I got I, I got the image in my mind of uh, of a Star Trek episode where a guy you know someone's phasered and they're gone. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that's really what it was. Hmm. Okay. It's not that your soul is burning and, and being tormented. It's just you're gone. Yeah. Okay. And for for traditional for traditional Judaism, that's a fate worse than even being hmm. you know being being um, tormented. 'Cause you're just nothing. You're just nothing. But, yeah. but as I say, it's it's usually not we understand that most people are sort of in the middle. In other words, at our time of the year when we which is a um, penitential time when we believe God is judging us. Mm-hmm. You know, we think of our lives as a balance. The good deeds are in one balance and of a scale. Good deeds are in one balance, the bad deeds are another, and we're sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always in the middle. And and the idea obviously is to try to do more good than more bad now again this is based on theology that actions and works count
0: hmm.
1: not your faith yeah okay actions speak louder than words yeah. okay that's really what what we believe yeah because um, God wants us to make the world better and we won't necessarily make the world better just by having the right attitudes or the right belief okay? right we are to get back to the original question of the whole garden of eden story when god allowed adam and eve to eat of the fruit and didn't punt didn't punish them with death they basically became his partners mm-hmm. okay to redeem the world the bible says everything god saw was good but it wasn't perfect yeah and by having the ability to, to choose right or wrong, we have the ability to make the world better and perfect it, which mm. is what we Jews, what Jew, Judaism teaches, is why human beings are right. in the world. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that's important too because there would
0: be many, again, so many different strands of Christianity that believe so many different things. The one thing that like calvinism believes is that mankind is completely depraved as a Mm -hmm. result of this original fall and and really can't do any good like our only inclination is to sin until jesus rescues us from that Mm -hmm. um which is not something i subscribe to i'm actually much closer to the the, gladly to find out i'm much more jewish in my thought (laughs) about this um but it's interesting hearing like that perspective I know a lot of people listening this might be the first time they've ever heard anything like this and uh, so I don't want to just like blow them out of the water necessarily with a different view but but it is a very different and it makes a lot of sense and there's a lot of hope actually in looking at um, the text in this way yeah you know I think
1: I think people forget I know a lot of Jewish people forget that God created us because He cares about us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether or not we see our relationship with God as father, um, child, or even spousal, Mm -hmm. okay, and I like to think of it sometimes as spousal, Mm -hmm. okay. this past week in our scripture reading we read um, in the book of Leviticus about the dietary laws what what animals were allowed to eat what animals were not allowed to eat okay. and a lot of people believe well that was given for health reasons because in those days you know we didn't have the health um, precautions and you know if you ate a pig you get trichinosis if you get you eat a rabbit you can get tularemia mm-hmm. etc. Text never said anything about that okay. mm-hmm. it says specifically at the end of those laws do this so that you will be holy to the Lord your God. Now, the word when when God says that, that's marriage language. Mm. Okay, consecration. You will be consecrated to me. I want you to do this because I have selected you. Okay. Now, <clears throat> question, Well, why? Why? What's wrong with eating pig? Mm. What's wrong with eating? I mean, why can't I do this? It's, if you love me, you'll do it. Now, I don't know if your wife have ever said that to you. My wife has said that to me. Okay, do I, I don't have to give you a reason. If you love me, you'll do it. Yeah, okay. That's what we're talking about. Here. Wow. It's, not e- it's not even just about the king says to. Mm-hmm. This is, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I love you. I've told you I love you. Yeah. You've done a lot of bad stuff and I've never I've never rejected you. I've gotten angry at you, but I've never rejected you. Mm. If you love me, you will do this Yeah,
0: that's good that's really good so when it? you
1: get back to you will love the Lord your God with all your heart that's part of it you, you just do yeah. it I mean you, you don't have to know the, the reason Yeah. Um, you're not always entitled to a reason although I think a lot of people today think because we're able to do so much that we're able to do we're entitled yeah. to know what's in God's mind no we're not well and, and you know I was you said something a few
0: minutes ago too about um, the Jewish people believe they need to be a part of making the world a better place and, and where we live to live out this call. And I was thinking of, you know, I, I mentioned Martin Luther in the intro, who was obviously no friend of the Jews, right. and in fact, mm-hmm. a great many atrocities have right. been done as a result of him. It's interesting to me that he wanted um, the book of James completely stricken from uh, the, the New That's Testament. That's what I understand. Because. Yeah, yeah. because it was so much about works, and, mm-hmm. and and by the way, my last name is James, so I always say it's, <laughs> I always say it's the best book in the New Testament. But um, but it's interesting to me in in that because James might be a much more um, close understanding to this this idea. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. Like it's it's not a matter of just belief. You know, the Gnosticism or whatever was being taught at that time of 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 it just being belief. That's so permeated our culture in some ways today that right. people just say it's kinda doesn't matter how I live because I believe this, mm-hmm. you know. But I think a better understanding, a more biblical understanding is if we believe something, we act on it and we live it. Like Absolutely. when when we are told to hear something like the Shema, hear mm-hmm. oh Israel. Like listen, it's it's the kind of thing where a parent is saying <laughs> like like I told the kids to stop doing that and then they say, they're feeling, I guess my kids aren't hearing me today. I guess their hearing's not good working. Point. You know, it's the <laughs> idea like, if you heard me you would have stopped, you know, type thing because it's not enough just to hear. Right, and, right, um But, well, this this is a good conversation and unfortunately we don't have all the time in the world to go into it. Can I make, it today, a, make
1: a commercial? Yeah, please on your, do. On your, uh, just on the heels of what you were just talking about, right on the book of James. Um, we're going to be having a, um, a speaker here at the end of April. April 30th and May 1st, Dr. Julie Gallenbush, okay who is a p- retired professor of biblical s- of religious studies from William and Mary. She wrote a book several years ago called The Reluctant Parting. Mm-hmm. Okay, And the subtitle is How uh, Jewish Writers of the New Testament Created a Christian Book. Mm-hmm. She's going to be talking about the Gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, on one night and on another night, about uh, how translators of the bible mistranslate. Okay. So if your listeners are in the Springfield area, those who you are, you're more than welcome to um, to come by um, and call the Temple office here, six one four three nine nine one two three one for more information.
0: Definitely I appreciate and that. And we'll make sure and get that information on the webpage. Too, Thank you for our podcast. I'm planning on being there. I've been enjoying the book. I haven't quite got through it yet. I've been Yeah it's fascinating. I, I know that when I get uh, closer to the time now, I've got to got to finish it now <laughs> because of that. But that's going to be a great event, and I, I hope that several people listening will get to come and even continue these conversations yeah. like these. Um, just w- maybe one last question, because um, we're we're getting into the the season of of uh, for for you the Passover mm-hmm. for us Easter and and right. how they intertwine. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe? Um, if someone comes up to you and asks you what's sin and why does it need to be atoned for, or or does it, like how would you describe that to that
1: Sin extent? is a is the result of a choice that is a wrong choice being made. Okay? okay, it's usually has to do with an action or an inaction. In other words, our understanding of what God wants from us. He wants us to do certain things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking from a Jewish point of view. Sure. He wants us to do certain things, as spelled out in our Bible, mm-hmm. and in the commentaries of that Bible. He wants to do certain things, and he wants us also to refrain from doing other things. Okay. And some of those things make sense. Uh, rationally, we think about we call those laws mishpatim. There are other things like the kosher laws. Which don't have necessarily a rational basis. We call those hukim. Those are not irrational, but irrational. Those are things that are divine commands. And as I said a moment ago, we do them because of our commitment to God, Mm -hmm. because of our covenant commitment to God. Um, um, Some of them certainly uh, make us different, um, and sometimes that's the reason mm. um, to, to make us different mm. um, different doesn't necessarily mean better yeah. it just means this is our uh, we, we believe God has a plan for for every community and for every individual mm. okay? um, you know your listeners may know that we don't usually proselytize or evangelize mm-hmm. okay? and that's because we believe there's God has a covenant with us and he has an agreement and a relationship with, with other people as well Hmm. and everyone's got to find their own way. We're all going up a mountain, but in different paths.
0: Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for taking time. It's always a pleasure. I wish we had more, and we'll have to do it again to just have some follow-up because one thing leads to another conversation, needs to another conversation. Uh, but today, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. We'll make sure and put the uh, the information up about the conference that you're having here on our website. Okay, thank you. Um, and Anything we missed today that you want to say in closing? We
1: covered a lot of we, stuff. We did, yeah, a lot of
0: stuff. We did. And the part that you didn't get to see, listeners, is the part beforehand when the rabbi let me play his gibson acoustic guitar oh and it was great to hear it on the from the (laughs) other end it was fun
1: good bluegrass yeah good stuff
0: (laughs) so well rabbi cosberg thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week thank you for joining me here this week on voices in my head i hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me get my music on vinyl and cd follow my blog and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.